So welcome to another edition of Missouri Farm Bureau's podcast, Digging In. I am your special guest host, Garrett Hawkins. Glad to be with you today talking about rural health care with someone that I consider to be not only a colleague, but a new friend as we talk about some really important important issues uh, facing uh, facing our communities as well as those of us that farm or ranch. So with me today, I'm joined by BJ Chauhan uh, with BioSTL. And BJ is going to be able to jump in here and talk a little bit about BioSTL to, to increase the familiarity. But I would say from a Farm Bureau standpoint, uh, there has been a relationship with BioSTL in terms of the work that's happening uh, with farmers and ranchers as it comes to ag technology. So, so VJ, I know for our listeners, they will hear your enthusiasm through uh, the airwaves as they listen to this podcast. Uh, we were on a, a panel earlier this week for MU Extent, Extension Engagement Week. Uh, it's just a pleasure to, to hear and visit with you again. So, so BJ, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about you and BioSTL? Great, Garrett. It is wonderful to be spending time with you. Uh, I'm looking for every excuse to do that. And so you asking me to join you on the podcast, I was like, when and can we do it now? So thank you for allowing me to share some more time with you. Uh, BioSTL is a 20-year nonprofit that was created to build an innovation economy in St. Louis, when 20 years ago, we were a town of major corporations. And as those corporations were leaving St. Louis, everybody was really sad and depressed every time one of these companies left, wondering what our economic future was going to be. And our founder, who's Bill Danforth, whose family is the Ralston Purina, Purina Mills Company, people probably know a little bit about the Danforth family, he decided that he was going to change the course of how our economy was going to run going forward, and it was going to be around innovation. He said, our future is going to be in us creating the 21st century companies and not just being a, a town or an economy based on large corporations. And so he convened all the stakeholders and said, I'm going to spend my time investing my money in building an innovation-based economy, and that's what BioSTL was set up to do. So our mission is to build, to transform the economy of St. Louis. And we were very careful not to say this in the beginning, but now we feel we can say this, transform the economy of St. Louis and Missouri through innovation, through, through global connectedness, and through bridging urban and rural communities. We realized that if we just create a successful economy for St. Louis and the rest of Missouri is not part of it, then we will not be successful in the 21st century. All of Missouri has to be successful in participating in the 21st century economy. All of us have to be seeing the benefits of innovation. And so bridging urban and rural communities through innovation and collaboration was very much at the heart of our mission. But on day one, we were careful not to overpromise and make claims about what we could be doing for rural communities. Today, 20 years in, we finally have some really great ideas, which is why you and I are having this conversation. So that's about OSTL. Well, I really appreciate, you know, you think about Farm Bureau and BJ, you've had the chance to, to get 
acquainted with Farm Bureau, when you think about who we are as an organization and the footprint that we have literally in every county of the state. And so, so that's why it's so important and why I get excited when you talk about BioSTL, it's not just a St. Louis focused organization that really you are looking to, to make an impact all across the state for people like me that may farm in West Central Missouri, uh, south of Kansas City or the Boot Hill or Northwest Missouri, uh, everyone should be listening because that's the type of impact you're looking to have. Absolutely. And then just quick story for my about myself, uh, Garrett. You know, I, I came from Boston to St. Louis, and it was because of Monsanto. Monsanto was defining a vision for agriculture based on the development of cutting-edge technologies. I really got excited about it. That's what brought me to St. Louis. After having worked at Monsanto for a few years, I ended up creating three companies: one, a diabetes nutrition company, and a second company that is now coming to the marketplace which we will talk about as the conversation moves forward, but it's really about bringing uh, a revenue generating cover crop uh, to rural communities where when the land is idle between the harvesting of corn and the planting of soybeans, we are going to bring a new crop to Missouri growers that will be a revenue generating cover crop. So that was one of the companies that I created. I just wanted to share my quick background with your audience. Okay, well, cover crops certainly are a hot topic these days, but I'll, I want to, before we pivot to healthcare, though, tell us just a little bit about what's happening in the space of ag tech. I mean, this has been something that's been fascinating to so many uh, of our members, but yet uh, there's always a gap between those who have the ideas and ultimately bringing something to market commercializing it and actually getting it in the hands of farmers. So how does BioSTL fit into that space? So thank you, Garrett. So our mission in building an innovation economy started with saying, how can we create companies from the innovation that we have in our region? And today we have created 95 companies in healthcare and agriculture and food. These are the strengths of our region. This is where we have a tremendous amount of resources and innovation horsepower. And those 95 companies that we created, we put $35 million of our nonprofit money into these companies and brought $1.9 billion of venture capital against our 35 million. So small amount of money, 35, recruiting a $1.9 billion of venture capital. Big, big, big uh, accomplishment because this capital came from outside our region. 90% of the 1.9 billion came from venture capital in Boston, Silicon Valley, around the world that ordinarily does not want to invest in St. Louis or Midwest companies. We got all of that to happen. And as a result of that, we've started creating very innovative companies and created now our first unicorn in agriculture, a company called Benson Hill. That was one of our companies we created. We also then asked ourselves, can we become a magnet for top innovation from around the world that is coming to the US but doesn't think about the Midwest as a place to land? And so we created a initiative called Global STL, went out into the world and found the best innovation and brought it to our major organizations here in St. As you know, we have a lot of ag bang buying power. But as we were bringing that innovation to our major corporations, we knew many of those innovations were ultimately going to show up on the farm. And we asked ourselves, where is the voice of the producer when we are thinking about this innovation? 
And it was there, but it was coming through these intermediaries. And we said, that's not good. Can we go directly to our producers, sit down and listen to them about what the challenges are that they are facing? And through that listening, go out into the world and find the best innovation and bring it to them on their terms with no intermediaries in between. That was the idea we wanted to test. And we launched this project called EGIC, which is Early Adopter Grower Innovation Community. So building a community of early adopter growers who are sitting down with us and telling us what it is that they're needing to address their business challenges and us building a custom engine that is delivering innovation for their needs. And that has been a huge success. We met with your predecessor, Blake Hurst, talked to him about this program and he loved the idea. He signed up immediately, not only the Farm Bureau, but he said, I wanna be an early adopter grower. And then has sent us an email with 21 other people that he thought would be good colleagues to join. And so he started spending time with your um, members through that wonderful warm introduction that Blake Hurst had provided. So that became a way for us to build a direct connection with Missouri producers. And this is why we are having this conversation because we are making more and more progress in the relationship between our organization and your organization through this innovation sourcing platform. So shout out to Blake Hurst. I know he'll appreciate that as he listens to the podcast uh, while he's still on the combine. So now let's talk a little bit about healthcare. We had a fascinating discussion, I thought, uh, on healthcare uh, as we talked about access and a whole host of issues. Uh, these aren't new. BJ, our members have talked about healthcare access, affordability, the whole list of issues for some time. You pick up the Farm Bureau policy book and you can see the litany of issues where our folks have worked hard to uh, recruit physicians or nurse practitioners to rural communities. So I personally am excited uh, as someone who is involved in uh, our critical access hospital in Appleton. I was really excited to hear that BioSTL has some things going. And, and so why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what you hope to do and are planning to do in the space of rural health innovation. Absolutely. So, you know, we were bringing this cutting edge innovation from around the world to St. Louis in healthcare. And what we found was through that process, we had in our toolbox, some of the most innovative ideas for how to solve some of the biggest problems in healthcare. And we asked ourselves, this is wonderful that we have this toolbox with us, but could any of this be relevant for rural communities? And so through that question, we started interacting with rural communities through relationships with the University of Missouri's extension teams, with the community action agencies like Chris Thompson and the West Central Community Action Agency. We've been working with several of those partners. And as we were listening to the challenges that they were having, we were seeing innovations in our toolbox that could really address it. And so we said, let's explore a few of them. And what came out of that was a realization that some of this innovation we have is actually much better suited to a rural community than even an urban community. And yet that, that innovation first comes to an urban setting and maybe five, 10, 15 years later, it's gonna show up in a rural setting. So we said, we gotta solve that problem. If it is right for the rural community today, let's get it there today versus 10 or 15 years from now. So now just put that idea off to the side and let me tell you about the problems that we were hearing from our rural partners. So first, 
healthcare access and affordability. Old topic, everybody's trying to solve for it, nothing new is coming out. So let's talk about affordability. As you know, Garrett, when you are a employer, uh, 10 employees, 15 employees, 100 employees, or you are a self-employed person, uh, you are the only employee and the employer. The, 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 the reality that you face is every year, healthcare costs keep going up and up and up. And in fact, it goes up three times inflation. Nothing else in our economy is going up three times inflation. But healthcare costs have the special place where they keep going up every year. And when you ask people why, they give you a really great explanation. And all you can do is accept it, be, be unable to do anything about it. So what we have noticed is as employers are taking on this burden of ever increasing costs, they are trying to uh, put some of that cost onto their employees, cost shifting. And so that cost shifting burden has grown and grown and these high deductible plans that employees are facing, they have 2,000, 3,000, $5,000 deductibles. And so if you are paying for the first $5,000 of your healthcare costs on top of the monthly premiums, then every time you need to access healthcare, you're gonna say, boy, I don't know if I wanna go there because I don't know if I'm gonna be able to afford the bill that I'm gonna get. And so people are rationing care because they are not able to imagine that the care that they're gonna get is something they're gonna be able to afford. The surprise bill comes, the bill is so much larger than they were expecting. Nobody can explain it to them. And all of a sudden you've got collectors coming after them. And so surprise, surprise, 75% of all medical bankruptcies are people with insurance. Not people without insurance. These are people with insurance. So we have looked at new ways to solve that problem. And we found those models working in rural United States in Idaho, in Kentucky, in Ohio, and said, why can't we bring this to Missouri? And let me explain what that model is. We call this relocalizing healthcare, where a local rural hospital is sitting down with its local employers and asking, how can we work together to bring the care that our employees and employers want? And in this model, when you relocalize care, we are able to deliver zero deductible health plan for the employee, 20 to 30% savings for the employer, and we can increase the revenue of the hospital, the local hospital. And people say, how is that possible? Because nobody is losing, everybody's winning in this game. But <laughs> there is a way to do this. And the beautiful thing was, Garrett, healthcare in rural communities used to be like this 40, 50 years ago. It got delocalized over time. Care started to move further and further away. And the decisions that used to be made in local communities between local hospitals and local employers, those decisions started to move away from rural communities. We are gonna re-bring that back. We call it relocalizing healthcare. And this is just not a story, it's reality, it's happening. And we are gonna be showcasing how this works at our Rural Health Symposium on November 2nd. Uh, that's taking place here. And folks who want to join, we can even have a virtual mechanism for them to participate, where we'll show how Idaho farmers, you're going to love this, Garrett. We have Idaho potato farmers who have access to zero deductible health plans. 
high quality care, care on their terms. So this is one big uh, way in which we want to bring this new model. It's not going to be happening overnight, but we want to start with four, five, six, seven rural communities and their local hospitals and show how this works. And then the other folks can come on over time because we need a few, just like the growers, we need some early adopter hospital rural community partners. So that's our plan there. The second one is really interesting. And that is, it, it comes back to this rural uh, relocalizing healthcare. Today, if you are looking to get access to care, it's a primary care doctor visit or physiotherapy, you're driving 30, 40, 50 miles. And it's a 15 minute appointment. And then you come back and to just have that 15 minute appointment, you're having to rearrange your entire life. The farm has to stop, transportation needs to be arranged. Everything is so inconvenient. And, and first of all, getting that 15 minute appointment can take three, four or five weeks. It's not as if you can just have the appointment tomorrow. Now, Vijay, I will say when mom and dad have their appointments in Springfield, mom enjoys because she always couples it with shopping at Sam's Club or Costco. So <laughs> I will say that. I, I'm sorry yeah. to interrupt you, but I was just thinking oh. because literally it's, hey, guys, who's going to get chores done because we're going to Springfield. We've got doctor's appointments and we may be gone for the better part of the day. And, and what I call that, uh, Garrett, I call that making lemonade out of lemons. Yes. <laughs> and, and it speaks to the resourcefulness of people in rural communities. This is the beautiful thing. Rural communities are highly resourceful. because They got very few resources. <laughs> and so you have to be resourceful. And so to your point, people are making the most out of this very inconvenient thing. But we have a new model to bring as an option, not to replace, but as an option, as a choice. And that is, can we bring the care to the person? And if we can bring the care to the person, how much more accessible would it be? How much more involved people would be? And I'll give you a concrete example. In Southeast Missouri, we have a company that we got from UK that has the ability to give you 24 seven access to a primary care doctor, 24 seven access. 11 o'clock at night, something's happening. I need to talk to a doctor. You can get it. That company is now in Southeast Missouri because they have a partnership with the Centene Corporation Home State Health Plan, where they went to them and said, give us your hardest to reach members, people who are not able to get access to healthcare. They don't have a primary care doctor. They don't have any of the specialists. And the only way they access healthcare is an emergency room which is really not the way to do it. Because that means you wait and wait and wait, the problem becomes really big, and now you drive long distances at the, at the worst times, and your costs are really high. So we now have delivered a model where people are receiving 24 seven primary care. Somebody is there available for them 24 seven. You just text a message saying, I need to talk to somebody, can you call me? And you've, if you've got a prescription you need to fill and you cannot get transportation, they will arrange for transportation. If you have difficulty getting food because you are on food stamps and you run out of money and so on, they'll get you food. They will do all of this to make sure you are healthy and your family is healthy. And what's happening as a result of this? Emergency room because they are unnecessary because care is coming to the person. 
If you need behavioral health, right then and there, that service is being provided. So people are wanting this while well, it's actually happening in Southeast Missouri. One more example I'll give you, telephysiotherapy. So physiotherapy, as you know, in rural communities, the hard physical nature of the work creates a lot of injuries. And, and those injuries require access to physiotherapy sometimes. And if you can't get access, then people are just using pain medication and because that's the only way to solve for it. You gotta manage the pain. There's no other systemic way. And if you have a physiotherapy approach, it's going once a week, long distances, a half hour session, and you come back. And what happens between the weekly visits? Nothing much. So we actually have an innovation where it comes to your home and you are able to do physiotherapy in your home. You'll have a virtual physiotherapist interacting with you on a daily basis. You don't have to drive. And as a result, instead of going on a weekly visit, you go once a month, once every three months, but you have daily physiotherapy with a physiotherapist on the other side. What has happened? 40%, 50% reduction in the need for unnecessary surgery. People are, are, are coming back to normal status through physiotherapy and not needing to go on these pain meds and not needing to go through surgery. And that is the kind of solution that we call bringing the care to the person. So BJ, to dovetail off of that, I think it's uh, one draws the conclusion to, to bring that care to the person. We have to have an adequate telecommunication system, i.e. broadband uh, in order to do that. Am I correct? Absolutely. Thanks for leading me to that very next, very important point, which is these innovative ideas, when we were sitting down with our farmer colleagues or grower colleagues and showing them some great innovation, they would tell us their number one issue was broadband. So on the, on the agriculture side, we are hearing it. On the healthcare, we are hearing it. And we see this as a problem to be solved for all rural communities. Just like electricity was critical for rural economies 100 years ago, affordable high-speed broadband is the rural electricity equivalent for 21st century. So we have a vision of building a digital economy uh, for rural communities. And we wanna solve for this through a all of the above approach. One of the problems we have today, Garrett, is that we are all hoping that just a lot of money from Washington is just gonna fall from the sky and magically this problem is gonna go away. Unfortunately, that's not gonna be the reality. That money is gonna come but it's gonna only go up to a certain point. We've got to come together and solve for it through a combination of different resources and public and private partnerships. And so we are actually moving the ball forward with that. We're gonna show some innovative models for doing that. Uh, but we know that that is critical. And the last thing I wanna say, Garrett, and that, that's really important is, as we bring these cutting edge technologies into rural communities, our goal is to hire local folks, not have somebody from St. Louis or Boston, local folks who are trained on these cutting edge technologies in agriculture and healthcare to then bring it to their communities. What does it do? Two things. One, it creates local jobs. Second, it gives these young folks a reason to stay in their local communities because today they are wondering what is their future. And what we are saying is if we are bringing cutting edge innovation you can build your career in engaging with 
and bringing it to your communities. How much more noble can it be and how much more sexier can it be? Because you are now dealing with cutting edge innovation, not something that's 10 or 15 years old. So our goal is to build a workforce that's around a digital economy, train working with local workforce developers for these cutting edge jobs that we want to bring. So, so, so Vijay, as we um, wind down, I mean, clearly, uh, I didn't keep track of how many times you use the word innovation, but clearly um, you can sense and feel the energy and the spark to, to think ahead. And, and that's what's exciting. And I appreciate you and your team hosted uh, a small group of us over at your building to talk about some of these issues here a few weeks ago. And certainly appreciate your willingness to, to understand uh, the issues that we face uh, on the farm or ranch or in our communities. And, and clearly where we align is the fact that, you know, every day we work hard to, to think about not just how we get better for tomorrow or the next year, but how we're going to bring the next generation home. And certainly as we think about technology, broadband, as we think about healthcare, all of these are pieces of the puzzle as we think about the future. So I, before we wrap up though, where can our listeners, if they're interested in registering to, to, to watch the virtual conference or, or interact with BioSTL, where, where should they go? Right, so first and foremost, I'm gonna send a, a link to you and Eric about these November 2nd Rural Health Symposium. They'll be able to register and participate virtually. Second, we are launching a Center for Rural Health Innovation. Missouri Farm Bureau is gonna be a founding partner. And what the Center for Rural Health Innovation is gonna become, Garrett, is communities that are looking for solutions. They can come right to the center, email us, pick up the phone, call, and our job is going to be to work with them and bring those innovations to rural communities. So everything you and I talked about, if this is of interest to your rural communities, have them reach out to you and say, can you connect us to these fellows at BioSTL? Or they can come directly. We're going to have a website and we're going to be having a massive deployment campaign into rural communities so they can connect with us. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, we will put uh, the link in the show notes. So again, folks, as you listen to the podcast and wrap up, you'll have the chance to, to follow the link uh, to learn more. We are excited to be a part of the rural health discussion at the symposium on November 2nd, and certainly appreciate the attention that you are bringing to longstanding needs in rural Missouri. So thank you for your partnership and helping us move the needle. That's why we're here, BJ. And, uh, Appreciate your energy. I feed off of it. Hopefully you feed off of uh, our energy too. And uh, we look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you, Garrett. We know we cannot do it without our partnership with the Missouri Farm Bureau. That is why we are so excited about our success because it's with you. By ourselves will not succeed. We know that. All right, well, let's keep charging ahead. Keep the conversation going. Take Great. care. Thank you. <laughs>